Welcome to a special episode of Yoga Chit Chat for Anusara Yoga Teachers. I'm Phoebe Schiff, yoga student of 10 years, yoga teacher of just over three, and currently working toward my Anusara-inspired license. And I'm Tarek Morinaga, yoga student of 18 years, yoga teacher for 14 years, and Anusara-certified teacher for nine years. Every week, we meet virtually for an informal discussion on a yoga principle, practice, or theme. Today's topic is the three A's of Anusara, attitude, alignment, and action. We chose this topic because the three A's relate specifically to teaching Anusara yoga. I think that other styles of yoga may relate to or practice one or two of the three A's, but I think it's pretty rare. It's very unique to Anusara to incorporate all three of attitude, alignment, and action. And we'll talk today a little bit about how each of those elements affects us as yoga teachers and what we offer to our students. So the first A is attitude, and the attitude of the practice is the non-dual tantric philosophy that we study. I think that it sets us apart quite dramatically from many of the other schools of yoga, and not that we're better or trying to separate ourselves from the other schools of yoga. It's just something unique to Anusara. Many of the other schools of yoga are coming from a classical yoga philosophy point of view. It really, I believe, colors everything that happens in a yoga class. Let's just start with Anusara. So in a non-dual philosophy, we see everyone, every student, everything as spirit. Everything is one. We see everything from this one lens. We see everything as one. We don't put things into the two big categories of spirit and not spirit. Our first look at our students, our first look at yoga and the world is this big, broad point of view where we see spirit in everything. That really colors how we teach the class. In a dualistic yoga class, everything is not spirit. You have spirit and you have another broad category, everything else. And we can refer to them as things like Purusha and Prakriti. We can call them spirit and matter. Basically, everything is divided into these two broad categories instead of seeing everything as one. Do you have other thoughts, Phoebe, on how you conceptualize the attitude of Anusara Yoga? So really, to me, the attitude is that everything is spirit, everything is one, and because everything is spirit, we can see and experience the good, the intrinsic goodness in all things. And we we first look for that intrinsic goodness. And that colors everything that we do as students and as teachers. The way I think of attitude, and this is straight from one of the teacher training manuals, is the power of the heart behind every action. So this is the sort of spiritual expression that we as teachers and students put 
behind how we teach and how we practice. I think of a, a more grounded way of looking at this whole idea of of non-dual philosophy of looking at everything as spirit is you might look at, you know, falling out of a yoga pose as not being a yoga pose. And that's a very dual perspective. Whereas from the non-dual tantric perspective, we look at the fall as part of our practice. It's not an exception to the practice. It's part of the practice. And so when we have this attitude, this very pure attitude, we are able to infuse all of the alignment and action with this potential for profound transformation. And, and so attitude is really this, this intention and, and mindset that allows us to go into our practice knowing that there is no exception to the practice because there's no exception to spirit. Everything is spirit. So everything is part of the practice. There are no good and bad students, for example. The practice of seeing spirit in everything and including everything in the practice means that there's just one lens through which we can see our students there are not two categories that we put things in. So we tend to see every student from the best point of view and not have good students and bad students. So one student who can do a handstand is no better than the student who can't do the handstand. There are no more spiritual. There are no less spiritual. Everyone has a spirit, this bright inner light that we strive to see and everyone has something to offer, everyone is spirit. The practice becomes more of a celebration of life and less of a practice of trying to fix life. Yes, we want to help you align and refine and make the pose better, but because you fell out of the pose doesn't somehow make it less spiritual or bad. We are looking for the best in in every moment and in every student. We're looking to celebrate the best in in each other. Including challenges that come up that really make it seem like they are separate from the practice. For example, as a teacher, if, if you have a student whose phone goes off in class, that can feel like a disruption to the practice. But from our non-dual philosophy, the phone ringing is not an exception to the practice. It's a part of your practice of staying centered and calm and compassionate as a teacher. It's a practice for all the students in class to stay centered and connected to theirs. And that's very hard sometimes because if someone's phone goes off when you're really in the middle of teaching, it can throw you off. And, and so the distinction here is, is once again, that when you are really connected to this attitude, this deep spiritual connection to why you are teaching or practicing, then all of these challenges or things that may arise through the practice still fall into the category of spirit. Yes, both of us teach in big cities, so we have a lot of distractions. Even when we're teaching in a yoga studio, we can hear sirens outside and we can hear 
all kinds of noise from the businesses next door. And that all becomes part of the practice. We can't control perfectly everything. Most of us don't have the luxury of teaching in soundproof rooms with waterfalls in the background and birds chirping. There are noises that that can be distracting. And I agree, it's all part of the practice. It's all spirit. The other thing that really sets the non-dual practice apart is that the practice is more of a celebration of life and it's not intended to be a punishment. Sometimes in a class, it might feel like the teacher is punishing us to somehow make us feel more spiritual by denying the body or punishing the body. And if we punish and subjugate and subdue the body, we'll somehow be more spiritual. But that is not the Anusara attitude. The Anusara attitude is that the body is not to be punished or pushed down or limited or restrained, but rather the body is something to be celebrated because the body is just as much spirit as the mind, which is just as much spirit as consciousness. So it's all spirit. It's all meant to be celebrated. And I think that this colors every Anusara practice and makes it very a very positive experience. At least that's the intention for me, for really for all Anusara teachers. So how do you connect to attitude when you're teaching class and when you're taking class? The main way that I connect to the attitude, the non-dual philosophy of Anusara Yoga is to to look for the good first, to see the good in every student, which is very, very difficult because we'll all have students who have different personalities, personalities that maybe don't mesh with our own personalities, will tend to gravitate towards and like some students more than other students. But we do our best not to play favorites. We do our best to see the good in every student, even the most challenging student, even the students who don't listen or don't want to do what you're instructing, even the students who are scowling and throwing eye daggers at you while they're practicing. The challenge is to see the best in them, to see spirit in them, to see the light inside of them. Am I perfect at it? No way but it's, it's my first intention to see the good in, in every student. And then when you're practicing, how do you connect to attitude? When I'm practicing, it's being open to all of the possibilities of the practice. Mainly, I would say it's experiencing the practice as being spiritual. That's another great thing about attitude and the non-dual philosophy is that it makes the practice spiritual by virtue of the philosophy that everything is spirit. It's funny because I sometimes get asked the question, what do you do for spiritual practice? And I tell people, well, I do yoga. And then they say something like, no, but what do you do to be spiritual? And I repeat, I do yoga. Yoga is my spiritual practice. And I do some other things too. I, I meditate and I study philosophy, but I'm an Anusara yoga teacher. That's my vocation. That's where my livelihood comes from. That's a big part of my identity. 
And it is a big part of my spiritual practice. So when I'm on the mat and doing warrior two or a handstand or a crow pose, all of that is spirit to me. It's all in the attitude. It's all in this non-dual philosophy where some people might consider the physical practice, the challenging poses, the big back bends, they might consider that as being purely physical and not so spiritual. But in the Anasara practice, that's not the case. We see everything as spirit. Everything has a spiritual element, a spiritual backdrop, if you will. For you, Phoebe, how does, how does the attitude affect your teaching? How does it affect your practice? It's this, it's really the same for both when I show up to teach. And when I show up to practice, I do my best to connect why connect to why I'm showing up to teach or practice, which is simple and also really important because I remember that I am showing up to teach, to guide people inward, to guide people to introspection, to guide them to learn about themselves. And when I feel really deeply connected to that, then it helps me contextualize any challenges that come up during the practice. Those eye daggers that you mentioned or, you know, something happening in the space. I feel very non-dual and connected when I take a moment to remember I'm here. This is my mission. And anything that happens to get in the way is just a sort of divine challenge as I am connecting to my purpose. And then same thing on my mat. I, I connect to why I'm showing up on my mat, which is to learn about myself, to turn inward, to see what's going on, to, you know, I, I very much believe that my reality come is a projection of what's happening with me within. So I think of my practice as a time to really practice Swadaya, self-study, and look at what's going on, and to really gather information from a non-judgmental and curious place. And so then whatever happens, if I fall flat on my face, if I fall out of a balance pose, if I accidentally you know, hit someone as I'm doing a sun salutation, all of that is contextualized when I'm really connected to my attitude. It's great when I do it, when I forget to do it, then things get a little weird. So it's subtle and also one of the most important things you can do as a teacher and student. The second A is alignment. In Anusara Yoga, we have the universal principles of alignment. We follow a very detailed and beautiful, sophisticated structure of alignment principles that help us to refine and improve and expand our poses and our practices and our lives. And the universal principles of alignment are unique to Anusara Yoga. They were derived from alignment from some other practices, uh, including and most notably the Iyengar practice. There is enough difference that they're not the same as the Iyengar practice. Some of them might feel a little similar, but by and large, the universal principles of alignment are very unique. I've been working with them now for as long as I've been teaching. So I, I started my career as an Anasara teacher 
practiced in some other styles, but I haven't taught other styles. The alignment principles have always worked for me. They are really the backbone of my teaching. Every instruction that comes out of my mouth when I am teaching is related to, or it is from the universal principles of alignment. You might find other styles of yoga that include alignment cues and maybe their alignment cues are similar to, to Anasara. Maybe they're different and there may be uh, an importance on them. And then there are other styles of yoga where alignment is not an emphasis where you don't get those cues. So that is something that's often unique to Anusara, but not always. I think of alignment, and again, this is coming from one of the manuals. I really like the description of it as steady, consistent awareness throughout an asana. So becoming very conscious and aware of where everything is in space and time when you're in a pose. And that takes a lot of awareness. And, you know, can you simultaneously be aware of what your right second toe is doing and what your left palm is doing? You know, that's, it's a lot of ground to cover. So alignment is so vast and, and it's what helps us align in preparation for action. So we come to the practice with our attitude, we're connected, we know why we're here, and then we start to move into the the form, the the shape that we'd like to be in before we take action. But I think of this kind of like the process of shooting a bow and arrow. Disclaimer, I've never shot a bow and arrow. <laughs> but I think of it like you show up to shoot a bow and arrow with the intention of taking the arrow onto the target and, and that's your attitude. And then the alignment is drawing it back and looking at the target. And then the action is when you release it and hopefully it hits the target. And that to me is the process of every yoga pose and really everything in life. As a yoga teacher, I cannot imagine teaching without the universal principles of alignment. They always give me something to say and to teach. I'm never at a loss for words in teaching asana. When students have questions about a pose or how to realign or get out of pain, I always have the principles to fall back on. I can work my way from the first principle to the fifth principle and have students incorporate the principles and eventually get them out of pain or get them into alignment where they can expand the pose. I also think that having the universal principles alignment gives us a great framework to share the practice with the next generation of yoga teachers. Most Anusara teachers coming out of their first teacher training, they're ready to teach. They know how to teach 
asana. They know how to teach a pose. They have the tools that they need to convey the refinements and teachings of yoga to their students because there's this beautiful, elegant system of alignment principles that give us a common language and give us a structure that's as elegant and beautiful as it is. It's also pretty simple. There's only five principles. And I like to say that I can probably teach the average person. I can teach you the principles in 20 to 30 minutes, all five of them. From there, it's like if I were to teach you to play chess, I can teach you to play chess and all the moves for chess in about 30 minutes. But then it'll take us a lifetime to refine and master the tools of the alignment principles or, or the moves in chess. You know, to become a grandmaster in chess will take years of practice and refinement. And same thing with the alignment in yoga asana. It might take us years to master the principles, but they're pretty simple in that we can all learn them. I think it's cool that we can pass these principles on to our students and to other teachers and have a common language so that we can often have a common experience. And so you mentioned that the alignment serves as preparing us for the action. And I I think that's very true. We study the principles and we prepare the body so that we can expand. We align and speak from a common language so that we have this similar, almost shared experience. And that's part of what the the alignment is. We're, We're aligning our bodies. We're aligning with each other. We're aligning with really with the highest, with spirit. I really like that you brought up the the chess connection and this whole idea of the alignment principles being simple and taking a lifetime to master is really important. And I think that applies to uh, to life off the mat as well. On some level, we all understand what we need to live a good life. We understand what it takes to live an aligned life. We need some healthy food. We need connection. We need to feel our feelings. We need to have some fun. We, it's all pretty simple and it takes a lifetime to master. And none of us ever really master life. We just keep practicing. And so I really like remembering that they're simple and we're always going to be playing around with them with the intention of expanding. The third A is action. You know, on the yoga mat, we can talk about a yoga pose and we have, we set the attitude, we set our intention for the pose, we get our minds right, and that's the attitude. And then we remember the principles and we start to put the body in the right place. And then the last thing that we do is we take action. We do the pose, we let go of the bowstring and let the arrow fly, and hopefully it hits its target. And we expand, and then we celebrate that that expansion. And that's the action to me. The action is the celebration of expansion. It's the celebration of the body. It's the celebration of asana. It's the celebration of each other. So action to me is acting and interacting with each other. Kula, which means 
community of the heart is the way I like to translate it. Kula is the third big component of Anusara yoga, attitude, alignment, action, the philosophy, universal principles of alignment and Kula and community. The way that it manifests in say a yoga class is students and teachers interact. So teachers will give students physical adjustments as well as verbal cues. Students in turn can give feedback and ask questions in class. They can laugh and enjoy themselves and have fun. Or if they want to, they can moan and groan too, I suppose. All of these things can happen. There's a two-way communication between students and teachers. There's often communication between students and students. I love that in an Anusara class, before class even starts, there's a lot of chit-chat going on. And after class ends, people are encouraged to engage with each other and talk with each other, which is a little different than some yoga classes that I've been in outside of Anusara classes. I've been in one or two classes where the intention is slightly different. The intention is to be very quiet and to keep to yourself, to not interact as a way of showing respect for the space and the teacher. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's a great way to conceptualize and have intention for yoga, but it's not how we do things in general in Anusara. In the Anusara practice, Kula and action is important. And so I encourage my students to interact with each other, with me, and we'll do things like spot each other in handstand. We'll help each other in a partner pose. And that's all part of Kula. And that may set us apart from certain other styles of yoga where you're to keep to your own mat and and maybe not interact with others. Right. Going back to my bow and arrow analogy, action is the moment that the arrow leaves the bow and either hits the target or doesn't. And then Kula is the people around you who either celebrate with you or help you try again. And that's different from other styles of yoga. Other styles of yoga, after the arrow leaves the bow, then you may not celebrate. You may just keep doing it over and over alone in solitude. And that's, it's just a different intention than an Anusara. In this community of the heart, the action is, is what happened after you've set the attitude, set the alignment, taken the action. And then no matter what happens, you're still part of this. You're still part of something bigger. And that's what's really, really beautiful and and unique about it. And also helps us learn more about our experience and and be supported as we set up over and over again. I love that the word celebration kept coming up throughout the chat today. And I do think that that is one of the hallmarks of Anusara Yoga is that it really is a celebration of the human spirit. It's a celebration of community. It's a celebration of the practice. It's a celebration of each other. And that colors everything. The attitude is one of celebration. The alignment is to prepare us to celebrate. And then the action is the celebration itself. 
And that is maybe not unique to Anusara. There might be other styles of yoga where celebration is important and emphasized. But I think that when you take all three of these elements of Anusara yoga, the three A's of Anusara yoga, when you take all three in combination, you get something very unique. Other styles of yoga may emphasize one or maybe even two of the three, but I've not come across another style of yoga, at least to my knowledge, which is limited to be sure. But I don't know of another style of yoga that incorporates all three of these elements into one system or one school of yoga. One thing I want to offer, because I always like to pull this wisdom from the mat into life, is that attitude alignment and action are by no means limited to yoga poses. They apply to any task, big or small, that you're working on in life. So whether it's something really small, like writing a blog post or cleaning your house, taking a moment to connect to the attitude and figure out why you're doing it, figure out the alignment. What are the materials that you need to clean your house or write the blog post? And then the action, the the energetic process of doing that. And then hopefully the, the people around you to celebrate in your clean house with your blog post published. Can you tell what I need to do later today? (laughs) So yeah, these, these three ideas, attitude, alignment, and action are really the, the blueprint for living an intentional life and, and getting things done and then celebrating. Phoebe and I do this every week. We meet virtually and discuss a yoga principle or a philosophy or, or a theme. Very often we choose one Sanskrit word to discuss and we talk about it for maybe 30 minutes and unpack it. We just give you our a sneak peek into our own little conversation. We're not scholars and we don't pretend to be. We're not, even as you listen to this podcast, we didn't give you a lot of information the intention is really just to discuss and create room for more discussion to give teachers and students this this episode was specifically for anusara teachers we hope that our discussions spark more discussion for our our students and for other teachers the podcast that we do is called yoga chit chat And we would love to hear from you, either commenting or reviewing our podcast. We also have other ways that you can connect with us through Instagram and Facebook and Patreon. If you have a comment or would like to share with us how you think about and or express the three A's of Anusara, we would love to hear from you. Yes, tune in for our weekly perspective on a Sanskrit word or philosophy. And if you feel called, we would be open to receive your support on our Patreon page, www.patreon.com slash yoga chit chat. 
we are always open to be supported by the Anusar community as we continue to build this podcast and offer you more content and perspective. Thanks, everyone. See you next time.